Welcome to All Things Terror. This is a uh, podcast where we bring you true spooky stories from science, history, true crime, and um, our own gastrointestinal adventures. Definitely the last part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've been listening to some of our old episodes, <clears throat> and I'm like, oh my god, why do I tell people so much about how poorly my body functions? <laughs> and then I'm just like, I don't think I'm doing anything differently than how I talk normally, so I guess I'm just telling everyone I know things like this all the time. <laughs> so, Well, this this is part of the extrovert plight, I think. Yeah, I'm like, let me tell you about what my toenail's doing today. It's real funky. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't. Although they did fall off once. That's another story. Jennifer, you know what? You take the helm on the talking bit. <laughs> I don't know. I don't have any um, stories about my toenails falling off, so... But I do have a story. Mm. So, um, Emily and I have a two-parter for you guys. Yeah, I was just going to ask if we were going to tell them or or let it be a surprise, but I think telling them is the right way. And I'm just going to say I really wanted to do this topic for a while, and I didn't... It's such a big, 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 big topic. It's one of those where it's just like, ah, I don't know how to approach this and cram this in like an hour or less. So, yeah, I I was actually surprised at how hard that was because for my half, it was the same thing where there was no part that was really boring. And so choosing what to skip over was very tricky. I mean, we could easily just have our whole podcast be this topic. And what topic would that be, everybody wants to know? We're talking about the witch trials. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm actually going to be talking about the American witch trials. Yep. And, and I'm going to follow up with um, a very condensed hour or so on the European witch trials. Which, by the way, the European witch trials is bananas and is so long and there's so much i had no idea what i was getting into when i was like i'll just do some european overview holy shit i mean first of all europe is big so like of course it's varied and weird and every region has its own thing but also whoa 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 like just so much more than what i thought So, um, I, my approach to talking about the American Witch Trials is I'm going to tell you guys the story of how it started, um, because like many things about the United States, the American Witch Trials is a story of colonies, slavery, and things being taken away from the indigenous people uh, that is i like how you're like like many stories in america and then those three i was like <laughs> oh yeah that's 100 percent america yep <laughs> so um the american witch trials took place in massachusetts between essentially 1692 and 1693 ish i mean that's like the chunk of time um everyone knows where it's at mostly salem uh I still haven't gone to Salem for Halloween, but that's going to happen one day. 
I'm gonna just have to set up a GoFundMe and like send this complete stranger named Jennifer to Salem for Halloween because she desperately wants to we go. We can we can add it to the cheese tour, <laughs> right? <laughs> along with our cheese vacation. <laughs> um, so not really a spoiler, so I'm gonna go ahead and say it, but uh, definitely less bloody than the European witch trials. Uh. More than about 200 people were accused, and about 20-ish people were executed. Yeah. Um, so, the nice thing about this is that the colony... Because remember, this isn't United States of America. These are the colonies of America. Um, the colony did eventually admit that just that the trials were a mistake and unlawful, and they did eventually pay restitution to the families of those who were convicted. I didn't know that. That's a nice uh, bit of info to be aware of. Well, let's not jump the gun yet, because we're going to have to examine... You'll see. You will see. Okay. I will also say so, that's an interesting uh, argument to be like, look, we can uh, look into restitution for slavery if uh, we the U.S. has made restitution for witch trials and they admit that that was illegal. We could certainly at least look into the idea of what restitution for slavery would look like. Yes. This is going to be, keep that in mind because I'm going to talk about why the, why the restitution really isn't the light at the end of the tunnel in this story. Oh no. <laughs> so, um, there's a little context I want to set up. So in 1689, um, William and Mary, who are, do you guys know? Anyone know? No? I'm I'm, a I'm acting like people are going to talk. William Mary. Is this the William and Mary College, William and Mary? William and Mary are rulers um, in another country <laughs> that have a bunch of people in the Americas colonizing the Americas. Um, yes, you're correct. England. So William and Mary were warring with France in within the American colonies. And it's nicknamed King William's War. So that was basically what it was, is between 1688 and 1697, there were, there's basically like New France versus New England fighting. Yeah, because if the big countries are doing it, sure, sure, the little countries got to do it too. Right. And the causes for this are about five. So first off... <laughs> I'm sorry, but about, uh, like, and then five. I'm like, that's actually a super precise number. <laughs> <clears throat> I say about, and you'll see why once I talk about my first point. Yeah. Um, so first cause is roughly King's Philip War, King Philip's War, which happened between 1675 and 1678. If you guys ever keep telling yourself that you want to go back in the past... Living in the past is really shitty because people are always constantly fucking fighting. I mean, we're constantly fucking fighting now, but not the same like these people are. I've seen the phrase, the forever war, to describe what's going on now, and I find that to be very accurate, but I think, like, 
the way that peace was a very like short-lived thing before people started marching over each other's lands and burning the shit out of it and fucking it up like i mean the u.s at this point is just occupying the middle east um although we did bomb the fuck out of them and destabilize their government a lot but um yeah like the amount of war and skirmishes holy fuck yeah no i mean you would just no you'd wake up one morning and be like oh um shit my town's on fire and the some sort of military i don't fucking know what military this is but there's a new one oh, here. good they burned my wheat great that's that's just wonderful that's splendid now i guess i have to be a soldier so i can fucking eat some food god damn it right exactly so um king philip's war there were some agreements and the agreements weren't being adhered to I mean, and what that means, you know, what, that's is... basically the start of any war. <laughs> Anytime a war is, is mentioned is... on this podcast, now that's what we're gonna say. There were some agreements, <laughs> agreements weren't, and the agreements to. were not adhered to. And then World War Two started, and then World War One, and then. <laughs> but like, basically, the analysis of those agreements. Um, like, first off, the term's really vague. I'm not go going over it. You guys can do that on your own, because I don't have long to talk about the witch trials, but it was very subjective, like, how one interpreted those agreements, and the agreements were vague in the first place, so it's just like, all right, fuck it. You know, they're they're arguing about, basically, in the interpretation of agreements. So that's one, but there's like one A, one B, one C, one D, you know, all within that. Approximately five. Um... Yeah, approximately five. <laughs> um, the English, so the second reason is the English thought that the indigenous population was getting help from the French. Um, and I, I will explain why that's important soon. We'll get there. Um, three, the French thought that the indigenous population were working with the English. <laughs> in a, I did choose my words carefully there. So remember, English thought natives getting help indigenous getting help from french french thought they were working with the english and in reality for... are the indigenous people like dude we don't give a fuck could you two both fight and kill each other and just leave us alone <laughs> wait until wait till i get through my points emily god <laughs> <laughs> for the english thought that the indigenous population were their subjects so that's why those those word choices matter like the french are like oh you're just you're working with the english motherfucker you yeah know? you are and a then, sovereign like, the nation english are like you bitches are getting help yeah. from the french and we own you oh. you know that's that's a healthy so, attitude that certainly is not problematic at all yep so remember this is all all this last point is coming up but this is all the things that led that were contributed to King William's war. So five is the the indigenous population were basically telling the English to go suck a dick. <laughs> they were confirming nor denying anyone suspicious and they were just like, you, you we're not your subjects. I don't give a shit what you think. Go eat a dick. Yeah, I like that that's their attitude because <laughs> that's the correct attitude. They're like some British guy shows up, he's like, you're English now. And they're like, 
good God, what is this hot pile of garbage? And they're just, I just ignoring these like British people walking around trying to tell them what to do. <laughs> exactly. So, um, King William's War basically really fucked up upstate New York, Nova Scotia, and Quebec. Because remember, this is New France versus New England. So, refugees from that area ended up fleeing to Essex County, which, you know, in this story, specifically Salem Village, which is present-day Danvers, Massachusetts. Um, all these refugees, of course, put a strain on the resources, which, um in turn aggravated an already existing rivalry between the wealthy families that are tied to Salem Port and the families that depended on agricultural work to survive. Okay. I'll let you... I'm not going to tell any of you. This is this is now an interactive podcast. This is going to be your homework. <laughs> Raise your hand if... I... <laughs> I want you all to ponder, after I tell this story, whether it was predominantly wealthy Salem Port families or predominantly uh, agricultural families that found themselves accused of witchcraft. <laughs> well, rich people never do anything wrong, Jennifer. That's why we should let them do whatever they want. I'm I'm just going to follow up with, remember, there are a bunch of refugees in this area that's putting a strain on resources. <laughs> what could that mean for the people that have this rivalry? It's actually a very interesting thing to look into. Anyways, so, um, our story begins with Reverend Samuel Paris, who became Salem's first ordained minister in 1689. So, 1689 is about, um, 1689 is the first official, like, you know, year of the war, but remember this war was started between 1688 and went through 1697. Okay. It was a big controversy for him to be the reverend because, um, he is perceived to be greedy and rigid. Um, the Puritans in the area, now remember he was Salem's first ordained minister, the Puritans in the area thought, um, that all the, the talk, all the controversy was the devil's work. <laughs> so, 1689. January 1692. Um, Paris's daughter, Reverend Samuel Paris's daughter, um, excuse me, is named Elizabeth, and she is nine years old. And Paris also has a niece, uh, Abigail Williams, who is about 11. So these two start having fits of some kind, uh, screaming, throwing things, making strange sounds, putting themselves in strange positions. And then Anne Putnam who is also about 11, a little bit later on, started behaving in the same way. And the doctor who uh, examined these girls, or at least Ann Putnam, believed that the result of their, 
that believe that the behavior was a result of something supernatural. On February 29th, magistrates John uh, Jonathan Corwin and John Hawthorne pressured the girls for answers. They're like, you bitches are gonna fucking tell us why you are being weird. And as a Puritan, this is Puritan country, and we think that this behavior is bizarre, and you need an answer to it. So, the girls ended up blaming three women. Um, Tituba, who was Reverend Samuel Paris's Caribbean slave. Sarah Good, who was a homeless beggar. And Sarah Osborne, who is an elderly poor woman. And all three of them were jailed. Of course. So March 1st, uh, 1692. Uh, the three women were interrogated by the local magistrates for several days. Um... Both Sarahs um, claimed to be innocent. However, Tituba confessed and described things like black rats, black dogs, red cats, yellow birds, a man who wanted her to sign his book. Um, uh, she also described writing sticks to places. And she... Uh, said that she signed his book. She also implicated the Sarahs. And she claimed that other witches were trying to destroy the Puritans. <laughs> I... The thing that... I mean, I'm going to talk a little bit about, like, the confessions in my bit, too. But, like, sometimes the things that get quote-unquote confessed are so funny. Like, black rats, black dogs, yellow birds, red cats. And they're like... <gasps> Oh no, the devil. And I'm like, are you just naming the colors of animals? Because that <laughs> it doesn't seem like anything to me. So I'm so glad you pointed that out because we are going to talk about Tituba's confession. All right. And the things that she yeah. said and what that meant to the colony. So let's talk about Tituba a little bit more. Um, so Tituba's origin is a bit unclear, but she's believed to be from South America. Um, what they do know is that she was taken over from the colonies from Barbados. Um, she is also married to a man named John Indian. John Indian? Uh, yes. Okay. That's his name. <laughs> And his name. <laughs> or, right? His origins are also unknown, but again, believed to have been from either Central or South America. And Tituba actually probably told all, uh, at least two of those girls, um, stories about witchcraft and voodoo because that stuff was very much ingrained in Barbados at that time, that culture, and then also there are, like, the shamanistic practices and stuff from South America. Yeah, I mean, like, when I was in Cuba, which I know is not Barbados, um, but, like, hoodoo is still practiced as a religion. Like, one morning I woke up and there were just, like, uh, 
goat hooves at all the corners around a church, like the street corners. And another time there were like little, like a bag of dead chicks. Um, and theirs are like, it's a hoodoo thing. And like we, I was biking with some people and we saw like a woman in white go down and throw something into the ocean. Um, and it's like, it's a religion. I mean, it's a different religion than Christianity, but that's what it is. And I could see that being in Barbados. So I could see her talking about it. And I could also see her just telling a story to freak out some 10 year old white chicks. Like, <laughs> I mean, how could you resist doing that? So, uh, <laughs> that's this, uh, you keep bringing stuff up. That's going to make this so interesting. So, <laughs> Um, here's the thing. So, you know, from what the magistrates heard as T-Tuba says, yeah, I fucking did it. I did it, and I saw these black dogs and red cats. I made a witch cake. <laughs> mm. Um, I did it. I fucking did it. But here's the thing. T-Tuba actually originally denied the accusations. Like, so the Sarahs were like, we didn't do it not us at all and they're like okay good white people yeah. tituba says i didn't do it but then weird enough she turns around and she said it and then she has this really crazy bizarre story and the thing is about her confession like the things that she was describing like some of it from the colony's perspective did sound like witchcraft but some of the other portions of it sounded like weird banana bullshit and they were just like that her confession actually really confused the colonies. They didn't understand what they were hearing because it didn't all sound like witchcraft. Yeah. So Tituba actually said that um, she was beaten by Samuel Paris in order to get a confession. And that, um, that Samuel Paris actually coached her on everything to say, everything that should be in her confession. Um, she also explained that she had learned about the occult from uh, her mistress in Barbados, but everything that she was taught was meant to ward off evil and to help find the source of witchcraft. Yeah. And that she made the witch cake in order to help Elizabeth with like all her weird fits and stuff that she was going through. Because she thought, she too thought that Elizabeth was being. Um, crossed by some type of yeah evil magic so she was using her magic that she learned in Barbados to ward away the evil yeah. and that she said um, she said specifically the practice is not meant to harm others and that she is not a witch that is I um, just gotta say this is a nice little hook into uh, something I'm gonna talk about in my house so thanks <laughs> Jennifer you're welcome. <laughs> so eventually the magistrates were like, eh, she's she's probably not a witch. So like, you know, she gets a pardon. Um, everyone gets a pardon. However, because remember, this is not the world that we live in now. <laughs> um Tituba ended up remaining in jail, even though she's been pardoned, uh, after her trial because Samuel Paris wouldn't pay her jail fees. Oh, that's still happening today. I mean, there are <clears> tons <throat> of people who are sitting in jail just because they can't make bail. 
Yeah, also, you know, if you go to prison, you get charged for being in prison, but we won't Oh my god. So anyway, Court costs? Just court costs. Not sitting in jail. Let's say you make bail, and then you have to go to court. You have to pay court costs, and it is... Whether you're guilty or innocent. Yeah, it is so expensive. Like, this is what they should be telling kids to get them not to drink and drive. Like, a doobie is, like, thousands of dollars. Yep, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and so, yeah, and whether you're guilty or innocent. So if you want to talk about how the justice system, like, is aligned against poor people, there's there's a good start. There's just a little scratch on the surface for you. Well, Tituba stayed in jail, even though she was pardoned and basically decided to be innocent because she was a slave in her... um. And the person who beat her into a confession went and paid her jail fees. That sounds like a real dick. So, this is where it gets a little bit muddy, but it sounds like Tituba was eventually sold for the price of her jail fees in April of 1693. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I just, I don't even have words for that. And then, in from there, I don't, there's... She disappears from the historical record. She disappears, yeah, she disappears from the historical record. I don't have any more information about this, just the story of Tituba. But essentially, even though these people were, like, the magistrates decided that this was a bit manufactured and that these people are innocent it was tituba's warning about there being other witches trying to destroy the puritans compounded with everything that's going on with the war compounded with the colony suspicions of the indigenous populations and then just the wild imagination of there being witches like the craze just took over and uh, eventually it led to a lot of people being accused of practicing witchcraft and that went on for a bit again please do your homework and tell me in our social media space uh what you find out about the wealthy families (laughs) versus the agricultural families in 1702 the general court declared the trials unlawful in 1711 there is actually a bill that the colony put together to restore the good names of everyone that was accused, and there was a 600-pound uh, restitution paid to the heirs or surviving family members of those who were accused. And it wasn't until 1957 that Massachusetts actually formally apologized for the Salem Wood Trials. I mean... Uh, it's not great. And especially, like, I think some of the more famous gross aspects of it are really bad. Um, But it is kind of like, I like the idea of people reckoning with the past instead of hiding from it. Like, 1957 is awfully late to be like, whoops, sorry, we once accused people of witches and (laughs) tried you. 
Um, but that's better than being like, well, we know it was fucked up, but we're not going to take responsibility for it. You know, like we're not going to reckon with it. Fair enough, but it is very late. Yeah. So let's talk about why restitution really doesn't <laughs> uh, doesn't cut it. And I I think, quite frankly, it's because Tituba sat in jail until she was sold. Yeah, I mean, how do you make restitution to Tituba and her family? Right. And everything that she lost. Yeah. I mean, you know, once, once somebody you know, purchase a slave, like, that was it. You know, they just, they're gone. Well, and, and on top of that, remember, the whole reason all of this started is because two little girls were acting weird, and the puritanical community needed a scapegoat, and Samuel Paris offered up his slave. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of the stories and narratives about the Salem witch trials do tend to focus on the girls having fits and like, oh, you know, how to like how women have tried to gain agency or power. Like a lot of the narratives center on those girls having fits and what that meant and how it spiraled out. Um, but I think centering on Tutuba really does show like, well, she. You know, a, a kid having a fit is one thing, but then to, like, be jailed even after you're innocent, to be beaten into a confession, to be, you know, sold. And I mean, that's a, a better nugget to focus on. And by better, I mean, like, in the sense of when we think about the injustice of these stories and where they started, I think this is a, a much more important point to think about um, than children. Yeah, children behaving as children do. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, yeah. What fucking time period that you're in? Kids are gonna have fucking temp temper tantrums. Kids are gonna be fucking weird, and like you know, it just happened to be that you know these, you know, uh, white relatives of a white, um, minister, pastor, whatever, uh, in a white colony. <laughs> Uh, happened to live in a time where witchcraft was a was a high crime. Yeah, well, and I also like the way you emphasize that they're like, okay, well, Tituba probably not a witch. Eh, all right, you kids are just being weird. Like, it almost died down. It almost went away. Um, but it was too late, though. Like, it it hit the imagination of these people. They're just like witchcraft is. Weak. Yeah, and yeah. it didn't go away for Tituba, right? Like, even when she was declared innocent, it didn't settle for her at all nope it kept on yeah. and i don't you know we no one knows like you know we don't know what happened to 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 tituba after she was sold so we don't know if that followed her anywhere else well and it is something that i think we talk about a lot a lot on this podcast which is that when humans manufacture scary things um whatever that scary thing is, satanic panic, witchcraft, whatever, um, we, it, it gets attached to vulnerable populations and it becomes another way to like demonize people that are already sort of demonized just for being quote unquote different. Um, you know, I think 
the Trump administration has done a really good job of doing that with immigration, right? Anyone who's not originally from America is, you know, a rapist and a murderer and, and we're going to ban them. And we create this specter, we create this scary thing and we put it on people who don't have a lot of power so that it can be justified whatever we do to them. Um, and I, I mean, I'm an English teacher. This is what I study. And every once in a while I get people who are just like, well, what does it matter? Words are just words. And I'm like, this is a really good case of why words aren't words. You know, when you start talking about a person in dehumanizing language, then it makes it easier to take action against them because you already don't think of them or see them as a person. You can see this with Tituba, right? She's just a slave. And so it's okay that she sat in jail. It's okay that she was beaten to a confession. It's okay that you know, her story to this day is not the centerpiece of the Salem witch trials, right? We tend to ignore her or move over her because she's a vulnerable person. She was, you know, hurt, I would say the most. I mean, that's maybe a bold claim. People were tortured and killed, but she was hurt a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think it it's an almost more upsetting story because of that way that we people who are vulnerable are going to get attacked more and have less resources to fight back. Yeah. And you know, the, what you're saying goes back to, you know, the Stanford uh, prison experiment, but I think what adds to it is like, you know, words are the key, right. To create fear and to dehumanize a population but the other thing that we've learned um in psychology is that um inhumane acts are a lot easier to do when it's done in a group mm -hmm. well and and words work the other way too right because words can also build someone up and make them think that they're powerful and right and if you say you're a minister and ministers are always right then you can't be wrong and anything you want to do therefore is right um you can see it working both ways. Yep. Well, that is my um, uplifting <laughs> and uh, cute story. I mean, geez, you know, like I said, I know that, like, the level of atrocity um, in the Salem witch trials is just not anything like what happened in Europe. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's just, of course, it just has, it couldn't just be fucking people being weird about witches. Like, of course, it had to be uh, rooted in slavery. You yeah, know? well, I mean, I like the way that you told your story, because I think the Salem Witch Trials, you're right, it, it's gross, and there is lots of scary stuff in it, but it also kind of has become, like, a little bit of kitsch, you know, like, oh, witches and halloween for salem and i'm not gonna like make fun of people for kitsch i kind of like that i would also like to go to salem for halloween right and like i think there is some power in taking a narrative and making it funny like um but i like by focusing on one person you you can kind of um really feel the tragedy and then when you think okay well tatuba wasn't the only one and um you know, that sometimes by, by learning intimately one person's story, it helps you connect with an issue better. Um, and, and I think there is like, 
yeah, America, I just, like, we need to reckon with how much of it is founded on colonialism, slavery, and fucking up indigenous people. And, yeah, I liked it. I mean, I didn't like it, but, you know, (laughs) I'm not like, woohoo, yeah. (laughs) The the other thing I want to point out is, um, and everyone will get a, a taste of this, uh, when you tell your story, is that this is basically the fate of people that got accused of witchcraft. You would be brought before a court. Um, accusations and confessions would or would not be heard. Um, and that, I mean, that was it. Uh, you, It was a trial. And then uh, afterwards, if you were guilty... Um, you would be hung. And then uh, sometimes you would just be stuck in jail for a long time. Uh, some people did die in jail. Some people gave birth in jail, and then that baby stayed in jail. Yeah, and that's still happening today. Um, yep. Um, <laughs> well, I will say so y- two things. You're setting my episode up very well. And also, if you think that the way these trials occurred and the way that the jailings occurred is horrifying, then you need to be active in dismantling and protesting and reforming our current justice system because it's not very different. Nope. And in... By the way, yeah, these kids, by the way, if they were born in jail, they stayed in there. Like, because they were born to a witch, no one could pay their jail fees. So those those people grew up and sometimes yeah. died in those jails uh, as well. In the U.S. right now, and only the U.S., because most other developed nations consider this inhumane and won't do it, um, women or people who are pregnant in jail are shackled while they give birth. And as soon as that baby is born, it is taken away from them. Um, whether that's what their choice is or not. Um, so in true all things terror style, um, we have taken a historical thing and ended on a political soapbox and I'm not going to apologize for it. (laughs) We just, we just brought it to 2020 is all. It's true. All right. Well, I'm sad. So (laughs) goodbye forever. Goodbye forever. (laughs) All Things Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever.
So, Emily, it occurred to me that we haven't uh, picked a craft in a while. <laughs> we haven't. And I blame someone in particular. Is it my turn? Yes, it's been your turn. Oh my god, it's been your turn. I 100% forgot that it was my turn. Um, but I will pick a theme, and that theme will be soft. Uh. <laughs> I'm going to show you something that I made recently. Ooh. Well, you know, now COVID's totally over. Make bad art. <laughs> That's actually really adorable. <laughs> I wanted it to say make more bad art, and then I was like, you know what? It's the same thing. Yeah. I'm just leaving it as make bad art. I like it. I, uh, my motto for many years was, uh, this is how you get better by being bad first. Like, you have to be bad at something before you can get better at it. Well, now you have a, now you have my Ars Poetica on my shitty <laughs> watercolor painting. Uh, watercolors are hard. That's, that's incredible. Every time I do watercolor, I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? So, um, of course, coronavirus cases are spiking here in Texas, like crazy. Yep, here in Colorado, too, because people are like, well, there's two types of people. There's people who are like, it's against my freedoms to wear a mask. And then the other type of people is, oh... Things are open, so everything's okay. Like, people who have been social distancing no longer are. Yeah, um, Texas reopened. And, of course, like, when cases start started going up, the governor was like, well, you know, really just gonna leave it to the people to make the best decisions. And I'm sitting here going, if you reopen the state, people are gonna go out. But also, if you reopen the state, there are some people that are, are being forced to go mm -hmm. out, right? Because if the state opens up, businesses open back up. And if those people want their jobs, they can't just be like, no, I disagree with this policy. Yep. Um, and also, if things open up, both Texas and Colorado are places where people will... Um, tourists too especially in an outdoor season so that's been upsetting yeah i was um the kayak talks have been occurring in the household what what does and, that mean well i i used to kayak a lot and um i i always love to do it and it's something that you can do here in austin so we were like, well, maybe we'll get kayaks this year, but I don't really want to get kayaks and go out because even though, like, you can social distance in the water, it doesn't mean that people aren't going to find other ways to be irresponsible. Oh, so. I see. So you've been talking about uh, kayaking. Yes, the kayak, the kayak talks of 2020. I, uh, yeah, it sounded like negotiate, like government negotiations or something <laughs> i mean it might as well have been, yeah but... like we met at the uh notorious 
Fort Kayak to discuss the upcoming nuclear arms race. <laughs> um, so it's the end of June, and um, next month, of course, is my birthday month. Yep. And I shared with you some ugly earrings that I bought myself uh, for myself for my birthday. They're they're little gemmy rocks of many varied bright colors. I I fully intend to share them on social media <laughs> once I get them. But um, so I want to know um from anyone out there who has coronavirus birthdays how you've been celebrating your birthdays because I, I have no idea um I've, I've taken two days off for my birthday and I mostly intended to eat pizza on the couch like have the entire box just sitting in my lap or perhaps on my chest depending if I'm sitting or laying down and just binge watching some pretty shitty horror movies I mean, that sounds great, but kind of the problem with coronavirus birthdays is not so much that you can't go out and party, although that's a bummer too, but it's that, like, all the in-home parties, like, eating pizza, like, you're already doing that with coronavirus, right? Like, <laughs> there have been a couple times where I'm like, oh, we should do something special tonight, like, make a fun cocktail, I've been doing that all the time, like, cook something good, I've been doing that, get takeout, like, you do all of your special things uh, already, that's true. So that's that's, that's why also saying, part of the hard part of it. That's why I was saying I'd put the pizza box on my lap because I have not yet just straight up pizza box lap ate pizza. And it's your personal don't touch Daniels, yes. don't touch pets, this is mine. Yeah, and I'm probably going to want to get something gross like um, I realize I'm going to get eviscerated. Probably by half of the population, but one of my favorite pizzas is um, jalapeno with pineapple. Uh, <laughs> I I think that works. It's sweet and spicy. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, I'll share that uh, sometimes I order good, you know, local pizza, but honestly, sometimes I'm like, no, I want Domino's. Like, I just want that fucking salty trash. I know that I they're better and I can afford it and I can get it, but I, I just want the salty trash. No, okay, I agree with you because that's just like the macaroni and cheese conversation. Like, you know, you can make the really nice macaroni and cheese, but sometimes you just want the shit out of the fucking box. Yes, yes, exactly. And like, <laughs> they're just different categories. Like when you say better, you're just like, I mean, sure, but also this is just, it's a pantheon food. I yeah, I'm 100% <laughs> there with you with mac and cheese. It's just like I do sometimes. You know, you get have... like the artisan cheese and the breadcrumbs and you bake it and get it all fancy and but other times it's just like, nah man. Blue box. I want the sh <laughs> I want yes, I want it to be bright orange and probably going to give me some type of cancer later on down the road. Yeah, give me that powder. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just like every now and then I get these, it's like real occasional, but every now and then it's like I either want um, hot dogs and baked beans, you know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah, about? the little can of baked beans, uh-huh. Yep. Or, or I want 
fish sticks and ketchup, and I hate ketchup, but I can't explain to you why that craving craving kicks in. It just happens, and I'm like, man, I want to eat like I'm a, you know, six-year-old again. <laughs> that, I mean, um, I've been a vegetarian for about 10 years, and so in that time, I hadn't had a, a fast food hamburger. You know, like, I'll eat french fries or whatever if I'm on a road trip, but I haven't had a fast... And let's be honest, french fries are the best part of fast food. Yeah, they're amazing. Um, But I, when Burger King came out with their Impossible Whopper, I had one, and, like, it felt like if, if this was a movie, like, all of a sudden I'm going through a tunnel of special effects, like... (laughs) <laughs> one I had for not the wi- not the Willy Wonka tunnel. N- I mean, <laughs> I, maybe <laughs> I'm not sure, but like one I had just forgotten how good they were. But two, like, yeah, it was that same thing of like I've had you know black bean burgers and patties at upscale, like you know hipster whatever the fuck. You know, it's not like I hadn't had a restaurant vegetarian hamburger. But, like, a fast food hamburger, it is, like, a completely different category. Like, the bun is so soft and buttery, and, like, you know it's, like, fake butter, but it tastes so good, and it's just, like, (laughs) everything is hot, which, in hindsight, why would pickles be hot? Like, that's weird. Why is the lettuce hot? Um, But I don't care. Whatever. I mean, Yeah, (laughs) and it was, like, kind of something that, like... I, you know, I ate fast food hamburgers as a kid, and, like, there have been at least two times since then where I'm like, man, I'm sad. I'm like, I'm gonna get Burger King, like. (laughs) Oh, man. So, for real, though, like, you know, so I was a vegetarian when Burger King came out with their first veggie burger, and it was good, like. Burger King has always known how to do a veggie burger. Like, they didn't make it, but they know how to dress a veggie burger. So it's like, you're like, I'm buying into this experience. Yeah. But I'm right there with you. Like, hands down, Burger King's Impossible Burger is the best veggie burger from a fast food restaurant that's out there. Burger King, you can come sponsor us now. Oh, 100%. I, like, I took that first bite and I was like lifelong Burger King customer here like it was so (laughs) good I I yeah I can't wrap my mind around how good that was like and before this I had been a McDonald's girl because of their fries but (sighs) that impossible Whopper my god I mean you that's okay Burger King's fries aren't as good as McDonald's, but they do have the onion rings and the zesty sauce is where it's at. That's true. Well, the other thing, too, is, like, you can get Impossible Burgers in the store, and, like, I've had Impossible Burgers in restaurants, but, man, you're right, Burger King knows how to, like, grill it, how to, like, it's probably just dunked in fat, honestly, but, um, (laughs) it's really good, um. My mom, I was watching TV with her and one of those commercials when they were really advertising them popped up and she she's like, have you had one of those? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, is it good? And I was like, I feel like my eyes became like the size of silver dollar quarters. And I was just like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I, she just, she looked at me like, well, I can tell, like <laughs> just the serious of all of a sudden I'm like, ah, 
that my pupils go all the way as big as my eye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Well, you and I agree there wholeheartedly. And again, Burger King, we are all things terror. (laughs) I would happily, happily be endorsed by Burger King. I mean, we just... Honestly, we just want free burgers. Even I would even listen. This is how good the Whopper is. It has wiped. I have forgiven them for that creepy plastic king mascot that they had for a long time. (laughs) That for me, I was like, that is unforgivable and deeply creepy. Uh, uh. Nope, it's all forgiven. It's okay. Our love for Burger King is probably problematic, but um. I like food. I don't know what to tell you guys. Wait, wait. So anyway, let me let me Google something real quick and uh... <laughs> Sorry. Uh it looks like Burger King is not donating to Trump's re-election campaign. So, you know what? I'm not saying that there's not uh, a uh, horrible thing in their past. Um, but Yum! Brands is the company of McDonald's, Wendy's, Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut, and they are donating to congressional campaigns and packs but um it appears that uh burger king is not so once again burger king (laughs) we listen in and out ceo is donating to trump uh so fuck in and out it's all about the burger king i really want an impossible burger i know i I know I did this. So that's our episode. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Um, <laughs> we're gonna go get some burgers. I mean, I think we just solved how you're gonna celebrate your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe I'll get one and like put it on top of my pizza. Oh, so yes, yes, that's what you're gonna do. I'm a disgusting human being, so don't think that. I'm <laughs>